Hey everybody, Joel Johnson here with Rainmaker Revolution, and uh, this podcast, we are going to take a look behind the curtain. Uh, Look behind the curtain. My subtitle to this is how I can come in and destroy a financial services practice. If I wanted to come in and destroy one of your practices, what would be the things that I do? And the reason I call it a look behind the curtain is, one, it's a shorter title, uh, but two is uh, because, you know, I've had the opportunity to visit with some of you and even visit with some of your teams, uh, whether it's on-site in your offices. I've had multiple opportunities to do that this year. Um, or whether you've come on site and I've met your team or in some of the discussions. And I promise you, there's a few of you out there that are on a slippery slope, um, a real slippery slope, and you really need to fix a few things very quickly. Um, But others of you, you just have a few things going on in your office where if you let those go for a year or two years, it could completely destroy your financial services practice. So I thought I'd take this in a different way and say if I wanted to create an atmosphere that would destroy, if I wanted to create certain activities that would destroy a financial services practice, what would I go in and sort of covertly do? So here you go. Here's a few of them. Um, First of all, I would create an atmosphere in your office where the employees think they know better than the boss. A culture where your employees think they know better than you. Now, some of you don't hear the truth. I don't know that I hear the truth about everything that's going on in my firm. There are certain things they don't want to tell me, whether it's covering up or they think I'll get upset, or sometimes they probably just think, you know, Joel's office rocker. But I tell you, if you let a culture like that persist where they think, oh, that's just Joel being Joel, you know, uh, he, you know, we know better than him. Once he gets done with his little speech, we'll go back to doing it the way we were doing it. Or, for instance, workshops. Well, we know how to book those appointments better than we were taught, so we're going to go off on our own. Or um, uh, with some kind of data input, they decide that there's a, there's a better way to do it. Or just, you know, you name it. If you have associate advisors, they think they know how to do a sales process better than you do. If you create a culture where there are employees that think they know better than you, you are going to begin to destroy your business. So here's the thing that happens is they start sharing that information. See, they start, you know, let's say you've got 10 people and one person is beginning to have this attitude. They think they know better than you. Well, then what happens is that person with that attitude starts to put out feelers. And they start to talk to people at the water cooler, at the coffee machine, at the lunch hour. And they will start to impregnate, for lack of a better word, those ideas into the brains of some of the other co-workers. And now they're going to get resistance. Uh, The people that are mature, that are good workers, that are really loyal to you and are mature enough and secure enough in their own identities to push back, um, they'll get pushback. But you know what? They'll move on to the next person. They'll move on to the next person until they find their little key person. And now you've got two people that are being a little negative, thinking they know better than the boss, and they don't have to stick to the systems because we know better. And all of a sudden, you've got this little cancer that starts. Maybe they bring in a third person. You hope, and I hope, that you have the culture or that gets stopped, or somebody brings that to you, or that attitude comes out and gets exposed to the light real quick. Um, but unfortunately, many times it doesn't get exposed, or you're so oblivious to what's really going on, in your, going on in your company, you don't see that, and that cancer starts to spread and spread, and I'm telling you, it can destroy a company. Um, I had the opportunity to talk with a couple financial advisors that were not in the Advisors Excel system over this last summer, and I see their businesses just being destroyed. In fact, one of them I don't think is going to be in business two years from now. Again, not in our AE system, so don't try to figure out who this is. You probably don't know the person. Um, But because of the culture that's going on in their company, the second-guessing, and part of that's from the leadership standpoint. The leader did not do a great job here creating the atmosphere he should have, and quite frankly, he's involved in things he shouldn't be involved in. But... On the other side of that, they've got this culture where they're second-guessing the boss, 
and people aren't really working that hard. And it's just, it's a disastrous situation. But I'm convinced that a lot of it starts with that attitude, hey, we know better than the boss, we know better than the leadership team. So that was one way I would come in and try to destroy your practice if I wanted to destroy your practice. Um, here's another one. This is a great one. Your marketing is not effective. So to make your marketing effective, you cut costs to become more profitable on the marketing that's not effective. Now, some of you are laughing, saying, that's ridiculous. I would never do that. Oh, really? You wouldn't do that, huh? Have you ever had seminars where you're not getting the right draw to the restaurant, and so you think the solution is instead to cut the costs, the restaurant costs, or to cut costs on the invitation, you know, do the AE, get one uh, for every four you do, or every three you do, you get one free. That's the solution to your seminar problems. Don't start cutting costs to fix your marketing. If your marketing sucks, your marketing sucks. Fix the marketing. Um, but don't, don't be delusional in thinking that the marketing doesn't work. Now, we're going to talk in a, in a minute about some of the problems with thinking our marketing doesn't work, so we'll, we'll come back to that one. But, you know, you've got to measure your numbers, and you've got to make sure your marketing is effective, and you're not going to make bad marketing effective by cutting the costs of the marketing. Uh, the costs of the marketing are not the point. The, the point is you've got to make your marketing effective. Think of that piece of your business, the before unit of your business, where the sole job of that unit is to deliver sales appointments to your sales process. That's the sole job. That's what your marketing is about. It's the before unit. You've got to make sure you've got the right people you're talking to, so the right list, as they would say. Then you've got to be make, make sure you're make, be, uh, making a compelling offer so that somebody raises their hand and goes from an invisible prospect to a visible prospect. And then once they've raised their hand, you've got to make sure you have a way to have them have a pleasant experience to come in the door. If your marketing's not working, which means you don't have enough appointments, it's got to be one of those things. You're either talking to the wrong people, you don't have a good enough message, you don't have a compelling offer, or your offer isn't um, um, good enough to get people in the door. Maybe those, that second and third thing there uh, are the same thing. But don't try to fix your marketing. You know, my, my, the solution to me not getting people in my seminars is not to do a cheaper mailer. Uh, the problem is I don't have enough people in my seminars, period. Uh, you know, I'd pay double, actually, on the mailer if I could get two or three times as many people as my seminars because I don't want to do a seminar for 15 people or 12 people. That's horrible. So think about that. If your marketing isn't effective, it's the marketing. So if I want to destroy your business, I'm going to come in and get you all focused on things that aren't important. How do we cut three or four cents off our mailing costs? How do we negotiate better rates with the restaurant? Uh, how do I, here's a good one. Um, I can't get enough people. I'm not making any money when I mail 10,000, so I'm going to mail 8,000 instead. That makes no sense. And yet I talked to somebody in the last few weeks that's actually doing that. Uh, they decided their seminars weren't effective, so the, the solution to fixing their seminar problem is I'm just going to mail less. How does that work? It's still the ratio. The ratios are going to be the same. So watch out. If your marketing's not effective, don't focus on the costs. Maybe you shouldn't be doing that marketing channel, and maybe you need to find a way to do it in a better way. Um, while I'm talking about marketing, let me just say one other thing. Is um, I was having a conversation a little while back for somebody that works for one of you, and that conversation um, <clears throat> started surrounding, uh, started going around the fact where, number one, when you try a marketing initiative, you think you know better than people that have done it before, so you rewrite all the copy and change it around before you've even tried it somebody else's way. And then you pull the plug on it after 60 days thinking it's not working. Um, and so you pull the plug super quick on it. Um, well, first of all, there's two things there. One is if something is working in some other part of the country, try that version first. Don't try to rewrite your copy or rewrite your own version. 
And then the second is don't pull the plug too quick. So another great way for me to come in and destroy your practice is, um, you know, get you to try new stuff, write your own copy, and then pull the plug too quick before something has the time to develop traction. So, uh, so that's number two. Since your marketing is not effective, don't cut costs, and also don't reinvent the wheel. Number three, not understanding the problem, measuring the wrong things. This is so huge. Um, I had a conversation uh, at least six months ago with somebody that says, our seminars work well. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, the seminars work well. I said, well, how many people, how many appointments do you get from a seminar? Well, I don't know, but we get really good feedback after the seminar. People say of all the seminars they go to, it's the best one they've been to. I said, great, how many clients on average do you get every month from seminars? Well, I don't know, but I know we get great feedback. I know that people are so pleasant after I'm done speaking. That's ridiculous, okay? You're measuring the wrong things. I don't care what the feedback is from your seminars. I don't care if you do a client event, how much they love the client event, um, or especially clients bring a friend. The question should be, how much business are you getting from those activities? If it's just a, let's make my clients feel good by taking them to theater, then define it like that, but then don't call it marketing. Marketing should be to get new business. If it's a marketing activity and you're measuring the wrong things, you're never going to know. So don't tell me you had good feedback from your seminars. Do a seminar and tell me how many people came in for an appointment and how many people became clients. That's, that's the only numbers that are important. You guys are lying to yourself if you think the feedback meant anything. The only numbers that matter is how many people did I get into the room, how many people asked for appointments, what's the percentage there. Of those appointments, how many people actually showed up, what's my percentage there. And then how many of the people that showed up that went through my sales funnel became clients. So measuring the wrong results is a huge, huge problem for some of you out there. And if I want to destroy your practice, I'm going to come in and I'm going to get you to measure the wrong results. Here's another one. Here's a great way for me to come in and destroy your practice. Let's have lots of employees that don't have any specific job duties or boundaries. Uh, let's have three people in the marketing department that also uh, do, do other things. Um, let's have my receptionist who, when the going gets tough, uh, doubles as the appointment setter, um, but there's no clearly defined uh, job role of when she should do what. Let's build out people that, um, that are in management but really aren't held to any standard. Um, my goodness, you guys got to have tight job descriptions, ladies and gentlemen. You need to have people that know exactly what they're supposed to do. You're, you're hurting them by not giving them job descriptions because they feel like they're just coming in and taking a paycheck from you. Most people don't want to do that. There are some out there. Um, we, saw, we call it sucking on the corporate nipple. Uh, for lack of a better word. Boy, this would be censored if it went through compliance, huh? But just people out there that just want to ride along on the corporation's dime. You know, think of all the people at big, giant corporations that just coast. They come in, they just go through the motions, they do about an hour of work in an eight-hour day. Kind of reminds me of that movie Office Space where the guy says, yeah, I do about 15 minutes of work every week. There's tons of people out there that do that. If you have them in your organization, they're going to kill your organization. And um, number two, you're, they don't feel good about it. Most people don't feel good about that. And so do, you know, set up an environment where people know exactly what they're supposed to do. You know how you like when you see a prospect. Let's say you see 10 new prospects this week, and it's really neat at the end of the week to know 
did I win or lose? You know, hey, I got three wins. Three of them became clients. I won three times. And seven times I lost. But at least there's a score sheet. Well, other people want that score sheet at the end of the day. And if you have too many employees without specific job duties and boundaries in your company and descriptions of what they're supposed to do and what makes them successful, if they know... Um, what to do to be successful in your eyes, that is huge. If you don't have specific job duties, you're going to have big problems. The last thing is you don't share your vision with employees. The quickest way, um, or one of the quickest ways for me to come in and destroy your business is to make sure you never tell them where you're going in the future. Uh, it's just day-to-day, let's bring this person in, let's go over the cases we've got pending, you know, this was a good appointment, this was a bad appointment, and there's no stepping back and saying, this is the big picture, this is where we're going. That's why we work so hard on that. When I started the Rainmaker Group, what did I say? What did I say the goal of the group was? Double your business in three years, period. No questions asked. You're successful if you double your business in three years. If you didn't double your business in three years, you missed the mark. There's no confusion there. There's no gray area. I'm not going to come back three years from now and go, well, you didn't quite double your business, but you're still a winner. No, you didn't double your business, okay? Maybe I failed. Maybe you failed, but somebody didn't get the job done. People want that vision. They want to say, they want to say, this is what we're working towards three years from now. Think about the people that work for giant corporations in your area, whether it's Boeing or General Motors or... Uh, you know, in our area, we've got Aetna, we've got the Hartford, we've got United Technologies, we've got Otis Elevator, all these big companies where they have no idea where the company's going. And if they have any clue of where the company's going, it's just a bunch of corporate speak that the, that the, um, that the owners give you. But very rare does somebody wor- very rarely does somebody work for a company where they can say, this is where we're going. Well, I want my people to know where we're going, and you ought to let your people know where you're going. So share your vision with employees. So a uh, quick look behind the curtain on how I can come in and destroy your practice if I wanted to. Hopefully I wouldn't be able to. Hopefully your people are strong enough where it wouldn't happen. Your leadership is strong enough where it wouldn't happen. But that's a little look behind the curtain. Let me go over the five things again. Number one, I would create an atmosphere where the employees all think they know better than the boss or the leadership team. Uh, number two, since marketing is not effective, let's start cutting costs on our marketing to become more profitable. That's the problem. We're not profitable. No, the marketing sucks. So um, let's, let's not do that. Uh, number three, not understanding what the problem is. You're measuring the wrong things. Great way to destroy your practice is to get you to measure the wrong things. Number four, you have too many employees without specific job duties. And number five, don't share your vision and your goals with your employees. Hopefully this has been helpful for you. I want you to think about these things. Again, I appreciate each and every one of you. We'll keep these podcasts coming. I know it's been a little while since the last one, but then you had two pretty quickly here. Um, I appreciate you once again, and have a great rest of the year.